Welcome to Navigating Change, the education podcast from Tybal Inc. I'm Pete Wright, and right over there, mindfully podcasting, is Howard Tybal. We're back to the mantra. Oh, this is always my favorite stuff. Anytime yeah. I get to sit down and breathe, I feel good about life. Deep breath. Yes, mm-hmm. let's, uh, if you're listening right now, take a deep breath. Let me tell you. Can I just tell you uh, a, t- a technology thing? I updated my watch, my Apple Watch, to the newest uh, version of the operating system, the yes. uh, iOS 10 or Watch OS 3, whatever it is. And it actually, you know, because you also have the Apple Watch, it tells you to stand up, right? So that you don't yes. yeah, at- yeah. atrophy in your chair. And I, I, and I ignore it. You ignore it. You fail the Apple Watch. It's weird. In a yeah. movie, to stand up, it's odd. Yeah, right. You're, it's terrible. But, the, uh, but now it adds, every three hours, it taps you and says, breathe for one minute. Close your <laughs> eyes. And it has this little flower that opens and closes, and it, it makes you uh... breathe. Howard, that's why we're here today, to talk about the Mindful Leader and uh, how to cultivate strategic leaders in your own organization. I'm excited about this conversation. Before we get started, head over to typolink.com, learn more about our work in education, subscribe to the show for free. Don't forget the blue button. It's screaming, click me, and uh, we'll let you know every time a new episode is released. Now, can you please, Howard, in the spirit of the series that we are doing here, can you please summarize where we have come from to get to this place? You mean in a succinct way? You brought me to summarize. You didn't say it, but I know that's what was there, right? I should be specific. Be I succinct, recognize. Howard. Please succinctly don't explain. Be overly verbose like <laughs> you could, normally are. They could just go listen to those episodes. People, we don't need to do have the whole nobody, thing. Again. People have no idea how many hours you have to cut <laughs> to get my verbosity out. I'm leaving all of this in. All right. You should. <laughs> Part one: We talked about the importance of being a strategic communicator. And it was basically this idea of what's your key message, who you're trying to influence, and what do you need them to take away so that they engage in the thing that you think is so important, right? The thing right. that you want them to know. Part two is focused on getting people's attention. So that was on headlining. And we talked about some techniques you can use to headline. And we use, we shared some examples about the kind of ways, what, what a headline would look like. All right? and, and the power of the creative visualization process. That's important. Yes. Yeah, that's and the power of, of creating something together uh, that is looking back on some future success. Right. Today we're talking about this idea of the difference between strategic planning and strategic thinking. You know, I recently asked a group, so I had the question on the big screen, what's the difference between a, between a strategic thinker and strategic planning? And they all stopped. Like, you know, they. I, I know I'm asking the right question, by the way, where no one can answer it right away, right? <laughs> they have to think. It's like, yeah. well, what is the difference here? You know, so in one person said, really, strategic planning is the outcome, you know, is, is the product that we're going to create. Strategic thinking is, in many ways, the mechanism, how we bring ourselves to this. And this is why you mentioned mindfulness, because we're going to share in a few minutes some of the things that really demand being mindful. But like all the other skills, being uh, a strategic communicator and turning our presentations and talks around, uh, learning how to headline, we're lousy at this. And we're lousy at this only because we haven't practiced. I mean, you wouldn't feel judged if I said to you, you're out of shape, if you're out of shape, right? Right. Right. If you're out of shape, you just need to get in shape. And this is about developing some skills and then practicing them repeatedly. And the more you practice these, the better you get. Brain strategic thinking to your work is really about 
helping people step back from the mechanics, including yourself, and and asking the big questions around why. Because because strategic thinking is not necessarily linear, and that's what we're so used to, right? Put put widget A in box B, do whatever is next. And this is something you're challenging people to do differently. Well, it's interesting because bosses, the people in charge are like, I need more strategic thinkers around me. What they forget is there's a dual message to their staff and their employees, which is, I need you to get things done. Mm-hmm. See, getting things done is not strategic thinking. Right. And and I can't tell you the number of people that one of the insights they have when they discover they're not being strategic thinkers, they realize that what they're stuck in is getting their checklist done. Right. right? right. I have a checklist and I am a type A personality and I want to make sure that my things get done in a linear way. This is not that. You know, this is not those mechanics. This is about a behavior where it allows you to dialogue around things like your organization's strengths and weaknesses, trends that you might see happening outside your the bubble of your institution. What are some success factors that would help what you're doing around sustainability? Being able to then synthesize these conditions outside of the confines of your walls with a strategic direction. If you think about engaging in that dialogue or leading that dialogue, it demands stepping back and asking more questions about why we are, why are we trying to go down what path? And that's why, by the way, the headlines, the headlining from the previous session is so help, helpful because start with the success, right? We want to be in 10 years recognized as the number one public research institution in the country. If that is our 10-year vision, what do we have to be doing five years from now to get there? What if we have to be doing three years? And even the five-year conversation is a strategic conversation. Mm-hmm. So there are three things that we want to share with uh, our audience today about being strategic thinkers. They fall in the following categories. Understanding the why. What does it mean to be a mindful leader? And recognizing diversity in the way you approach conversation. Okay, so understanding the why, we talked a little bit about the the why in our in our initial conversation uh, in part one of this series. Uh, how does understanding the why translate to strategic thinking versus strategic leadership and and launching projects? When you are applying strategic thinking, you are uncovering a clear picture of success. Right, you are focused on not the constraints and why we can't get there, but you have articulated a clear visual way that people can engage in, I see the success where we want to go. Now, most of our work is in teams. And I can tell you that, you know, people can say a strategic thinker, you know, they're going to come up with this and, and it's going to be an epiphany. I think most really great big ideas come from working in powerful groups. So this is about building a team that can operate this way. And what you're doing here is you're, you want people around you to focus on having what is a clear picture of success. So that's the first piece of understanding the why. Why do we want to get there? Well, here's the success. The second thing that where we can get stuck is the difference between solving symptoms and not solving underlying root cause, right? Mm -hmm. If I ask you to describe to me a problem, 
you probably are going to describe to me a symptom of something else. Right. You could right. just take any – give me a problem. Oh, uh, let's go back to our retention problem. So what's the problem? Uh, the problem is our retention rate is falling. Uh, it has fallen 10% over the last two years. That is a symptom. But people treat that like a problem or a root cause. The root cause of why our retention rate is going down or not getting any better is uncovering a layer of other things that contribute to it. If we're going to be strategic thinkers, we have to not fall into the trap of thinking that we're solving the problem when, in fact, all we're doing is solving symptoms. You know what? what the, the other implication of that, when you go back to understanding the why and having a clear picture of success, it, it actually invites you to have or to develop as a team a clear understanding of the implications of the success, right? What is what is the impact on us as faculty, as administrators, as trustees, if we achieve this goal? There will be a positive impact for us, and that as a whole, as a whole institution or department or team, will allow us to to be successful and, and achieve those goals. So I, I think that's a an important thing. Understanding the implications of why we're doing this is really that's what uh, gets us back to the to the why to to actually living the why and not just hearing somebody else say it. That's right. Yeah. That's how and people will connect with it in that way. That's excellent. Yeah, I think so too. If you're doing it right. If you're doing it right. So the understand the why comes comes directly from something I've been talking about for a long time, which is our decision-making model, right? Mm -hmm. And and so, that, so that's the first piece. The second thing to elevate strategic thinking is being mindful. And one way to be mindful is you have to stay calm in the face of frustration. Number two, you need to be very intentional and willing to make reflective time to think about these things with your team. And I can tell you if you if you want to see something different, you have to make this time available for people. Nothing's going to change for you or your team if you don't say we are going to dedicate once a month, we're going to come together three hours and we're going to have strategic conversations. Right now, I don't know what they're going to be. A week beforehand, I'm going to work with a small group. We'll figure out what they are. But we're going to practice strategic thinking once a month. Yeah, yeah. The biggest constraint is just making that commitment. And even though you may not be convinced that it's time well spent, I promise you six months later, your team and you are going to say, we can't not not do this. We have to keep doing this. This, this is kind of the, uh, I don't even know if they do it anymore. This goes back to the legendary, maybe it's a unicorn process, you know, the thing you that they don't see too much anymore. But it's the Google 20% time that was so impactful in mm. all of our leadership discussions some years ago. I don't know if they do it anymore. The whole idea that that everybody gets 20% to do a, a whatever project they think is, is going to be most powerful to the organization. It's a similar mentality. You don't know what the outcome is going to be of that time. And it's such a linear reaction to say, because I don't don't know how it's going to be used, we shouldn't do it. Because I don't know how what the outcome is of this uh, of this mindful process, uh, then we probably shouldn't do it. It's not an effective use of time. But you have to have a little bit of faith, right, that, that coming together and doing this will yield results. That's right. And what will happen is all it's going to take is on 
six months when you look back and you start to see the threads from this creative thinking bearing fruit on existing work, you're going to see the connection. But you have to suspend some disbelief if you're doing this for the first time. You must focus on and accept and really embrace the idea that progress is more important than perfection. That this, and this is where the mindfulness is, right? You hear this all the time, the idea of the process is as important, if not more important, than the outcome. Right. Now, we don't work like that in business. We, in, 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 a, in, a, in our work lives, it's about the outcome. But we lose so much when we don't see progress as a form of success as opposed to we didn't get there yet. Here's a great quote. It, it is, to, cre- to live a creative life, we must lose our fear of being wrong. Mm. Joseph Pierce. Mm-hmm. To live a creative life, we must lose our fear of being wrong. I think most of us spend our adult lives focused on avoiding being wrong. Well, and what's so beautiful about that is once you in- internalize that as a team, you realize that that progress will yield many smaller successes. You will be better at breaking down big, audacious projects into smaller successes that you can celebrate together, and you'll actually achieve more. It, this is not about saying, you know, we're okay with not being accurate and not getting things right and publishing and producing bad classes and, you know, producing errors because we're moving, we're still moving forward. It's okay if it's wrong. It's about saying, let's break this down into small things that we can celebrate on a daily basis and That's achieve right. more accurately. The, the other reason too, Pete, that progress is as important, if not more important than perfection, is that if it's about the end product only, we're going to have a hard time being willing to experiment. Yeah, We're going to have a hard time having small failures that we can pivot from. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be a strategic thinker, it's the three the three biggies that you and I just talked about being calm in the face of frustration, making time for this with you and your team, and that progress is more important than perfection. The last item of the strategic thinking that you want to be thinking about for yourself or for your team, you need to find a way to tap into diverse perspectives. And in an academic community, it's not just the faculty, if you're on the administrative side or vice versa, it's the students, it's the trustees, it's the parents, it's the frontline staff. I can't tell you how many times I'm working with senior leaders and they forget to include even staff. And staff meaning the, the, uh, the people who are on the ground doing the work, interacting with the people we're trying to serve. And what we do instead is we just develop surveys and focus groups as opposed to bringing those people in that really understand what's going on. We need diverse perspectives and, and points of view if we're going to get a great outcome. That is uh, incredibly important to me, too, the idea that a diversity of population yields a diversity of experience. Uh, leverage that. There is, there is no better population to be able to leverage that than a university. It's one of the core blind spots I think we have in university administration and leadership is that we don't tap enough into that diverse perspective. This has been a great conversation, Howard. Thank you so much uh, for uh, for uh, this your time today. It's always a pleasure, Pete. You know how to keep it real. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, fist for bump, downloading Fist, fist bump. bump, virtual fist bump. <laughs> uh, on behalf of Howard Teibel, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next time on Navigating Change, the education podcast from Teibel, Inc. <laughs>